Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Take your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, just look in the index, all right? You're going to embarrass yourself trying to find Jonah. It's buried over in the Minor Prophets. Just look in the index. You'll find it easier that way, and the verses are going to be on the screen. While you're finding Jonah chapter one, let me say a couple things. Thank you to everybody that helped us Thursday night with their trunk or treat uh, event. Man, you, 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 decked out your cars at Rossville and did the truck there and then here at this place. We saw hundreds, probably thousands of kids come through. We handed out 2,000 invite cards to uh, in the Rossville community and here uh, total. And so thank you for helping us with that. That's just not about us giving out candy. We see people at that event we don't see any other time of the year and we hope they come to church eventually. But on that invite card, just so you know, there's a QR code and if you scan it, then uh, put your, your phone over it. Then on that invite card, you had Heather, our, our children's director, talking about our children's ministry, and then me giving a two-minute gospel presentation because we want to invite them to church and we want to tell them the gospel. And that may be the only way we can sometimes, and so we want to take advantage of that. So just so you know, when you help us by bringing candy, when you help us by distributing the candy, it's not just inviting people to church, it's trying to get the gospel in their lives as well. So thank you for all the hard work. And then next week, I will be here next week. I'm not traveling. I'll be here next week, Lord willing. But we have a special speaker, Scott Smith. How many of you have ever heard Scott? Smith before. He's been here about once. Yeah, no, so we've grown so much. I don't think a lot of you know who he is. Scott is, a, is an evangelist that you're going to love. He is literally one of the best preachers you will ever meet in your life. He's fantastic. He's been a dear friend of mine for a couple of decades. We, we talk weekly on the phone and, and almost every day on text uh, uh, most of the time. And so fantastic preacher. I met him when he was preaching youth camps, uh, Nathan, back in the 90s, and he still does a lot of student camps. Students, you're going to love him. And he's full of energy. We'll give him the whole stage because he'll need it. And he is fantastic. Now, he has a full-time ministry doing this. And um, uh, his wife, he and his wife support, um, they're very involved in sex trafficking, trying to stop sex trafficking here in America, specifically in the Atlanta area. And then they have some overseas ministries they do as well. So we're going to receive a love offering for him. So a couple things, come next week prepared to give, or you can be, give beginning right now online. If you go to pvine.org slash give, then there's a, one of the drop-down selections today, starting today for about 10 days is a love offering. And that's not your tithes or, uh, uh, that go there. That is a love offering just for him. My wife and I will give generously to him as well. And so we want you to do that as well. And let's send him away. A couple things. There'll be churches he goes to that barely pay his expenses for, go, for going there. And he goes anyway. But also, uh, I, when we give in a love offering, our reputation as a church is at stake. I, I, want, I, want, I want people to leave here and go, man, Invite me back anytime, preacher. I mean, when I got that check, I mean, that's a blessing to our ministry. And so I want us to bless. I don't want us to meet needs. I want us to super abundantly bless uh, a man when we bring him in like this. So you can give starting today or about the next 10 days, or you can just come prepared next week to give. And everything you give goes directly 
to uh, Scott Smith Ministries, SNS Ministries, if you want to look it up online. We're going to send you an email this week that'll be a video he shot that tells you all about their ministry. So be sure and watch that when you get it uh, this week. Hey, so I started a sermon series a couple of weeks ago called Legends. My story needs their story. And we're looking at these legendary stories in the Bible that are true, but they're not just there. And we call them legends because even the world, unchurched people know these stories. But they're not just stories to entertain us. They're stories for us to learn principles from about our own Christian life. And so we've looked at Samson and Delilah, and we've looked at David and Goliath. And today we'll look at a third one, and that is Jonah and the whale. And I want to preach on this subject. You can run, but you cannot hide. I've got four points today. I actually have five, and I don't have time for five. Now, we started last week, last Tuesday, sending around the Peavine City News video um, uh, in the... uh, an email so you can get it. But last week I had six points, but only preached five. And I preached my sixth point in that video. So if you didn't watch the video, uh, you don't know what my sixth point was. And my wife said it was the best point I had in my sermon Sunday, uh, but you didn't get it till Tuesday. So, so this week I'm going to do the same thing. The fifth point today, you'll get it Tuesday and be sure and watch that and stay up to date uh, on stuff we have doing. We're doing here. Here's what I'm preach on Jonah. You can run but you can't hide. I don't know if you've heard the story of this guy named Frank Abagnale or not. He was the guy who the movie Catch Me If You Can was made after. You ever seen the movie Catch Me If You Can? Uh, he, he was, uh, Frank was, got into trouble at an early age. When he was 15 years old, his dad bought him a gas card and somehow Frank parlayed that gas card into buying purchases with it, take them back. And before you knew it, at a gas station, Frank had ran up a bill that in today's dollars would be $27,000. He defrauded his father at age 15 out of $27,000. On a very related note, at age 16, Frank left home. <laughs> me, me. Because when you steal $27,000 from your dad, you better leave home, and he did. And for the next two and a half years, Frank worked and ran and conned his way through life. For example, he worked as a bank employee and and figured out how to defraud the bank with fraudulent deposit slips. My favorite story uh, of all of them was Frank noticed that at the end of the day, rental car companies would bring and other businesses would bring their deposit bags and put them in the night deposit at the bank. And so Frank got an idea and he went and got a security guard outfit, had his name made on it, all the whole deal, whole deal. And he put a sign on the, on the, the, uh, the bank deposit box at the bank at the outside that said, box is broken, hand money to security guard. And he stood there in his security guard outfit and just let them hand him piles of cash at night. The most dangerous one was he posed as a Pan Am airline pilot. He flew over 250 times over 1 million miles and he was 16 and 17 and 18 years old. He would stay in expensive hotels and bill it to Pan Am because he had found a uniform and he would eat expensive meals and bill it to Pan Am. And one time he said he was often offered the controls of the plane. And one time he was offered the controls at 30,000 feet. And he said, I took the controls and immediately enabled the autopilot. Here's what he said. I was very much aware that I had been handed custody of 140 lives, my own included, because I couldn't fly a cot. For 11 months, he impersonated in the state of Georgia 
a chief resident pediatrician at a Georgia hospital under the name Frank Williams. He had interns who walked around with him and he would say to the interns, well, what do you think we ought to do? (laughs) While posing as a Pan Am officer named Robert Black, he forged a Harvard University law degree took the Louisiana bar exam over and over until he finally passed it and got a job, get this, at the Louisiana State Attorney General's office. He was 19 years old. Frank spent two and a half years running, but eventually was caught. He was in France and a former airline attendant that he dated recognized him and informed police. And in 1969, at age 19 years old, they arrested Frank Abignell and the funny thing is when they arrested him, there were 12 different countries that had arrest warrants out for him. And now he owns his own security company. (laughs) Not a joke. See, as crafty as Frank figured out, as crafty as Frank was, he figured out you can run, but you cannot hide. Eventually you're going to be caught It's the same story that Jonah learned in the book of Jonah because Jonah was a prophet of God who didn't like what God had asked him to do. And Jonah went on the run, but Jonah figured out you're eventually gonna get caught. Instead of running to God, Jonah ran the opposite way away from God. And here's the lesson I want you to learn today, that you cannot run from the Lord any more than Jonah can. What do you mean, preacher? I'm not trying to run from the Lord. Of course you are. Every one of us at times have ran from the word of the Lord. Every one of us at times has have read the thou shalt in the Bible and we didn't want to do it. And we read the thou shalt nots and we did want to do that. And we've run from obedience to his word. And every time we run from his word, we always get caught. You've ran from the will of the Lord. You've ran from the way of the Lord. You've ran from the plan of the Lord. And you can't. Run from God and not get caught. And listen, God will let you go so far and then he will employ heaven and earth to bring you back. And that's exactly what Jonah found out in Jonah chapter one. So would you stand with me as we read God's word? Jonah chapter one. Now listen, I have preached entire sermon series on the book of Jonah. I've preached multiple sermons out of chapter one, you're going to say, well, preacher, you left some stuff out. I know I did. I can't get it all in in one 28-minute sermon. So listen quickly and let's read chapter one together. Jonah chapter one, verse one. It's on the screen if you'd like to look up here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break it apart. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the soldiers said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who's to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame for this trouble we're in. 
What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, what is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. He answered them, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will be calm for you, calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. So they called out to the Lord, please don't, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us with innocent blood for you, Lord, have done just as you please. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. In verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Thank you. You may be seated. So Jonah has clearly spoken. Uh, God has clearly spoken to Jonah. And he's told him to go preach to the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh means nothing to you, but Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. I mean, the capital of city of Assyria. And it was the most powerful city in the ancient Near East for 150 years equate Nineveh to our New York City today. It was a great urban advanced city, but the problem with Nineveh is it was filled with sin and wickedness and it was a city that was far from God. And God has given them one chance, one opportunity, one message, and he's sending it through the prophet Jonah. He's telling them, uh, repent or be destroyed. And Jonah didn't want to do it. Jonah went the opposite direction. And commentators debate on why he did. Some say it was fear that when you walk through a major city and you declare people sinners and tell them God's going to kill them, you'll be shocked. It doesn't make you very popular when you do that. But some most think it was his hatred of Nineveh, that Nineveh was a city that was far from God, full of wickedness, and Jonah wanted them destroyed. So he decides to run. And when Jonah runs, beginning in verse number three, we figure out some things that we need to know when we run from God in our own lives. So can I give you four things this morning that you need to know about running from God? Number one, you need to know every person has a purpose. Here's what he said in verse number two, get up and go. Get up and go to to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because their evil has come up before me. Jonah is what we would almost call regional prophet in his day. God sends his message through Jonah to the people of Israel, to the world at large. And he gives Jonah a command. The command is right there in verse 2, get up and go. It's a double imperative that demands urgency to the message. And so Jonah has heard this message from God. And by the way, the emphasis in the Hebrew is on the going part. Get up and go, Jonah. Get up and go, Jonah. Get up and go, Jonah. Jonah has this purpose God has given him. Your purpose, Jonah, is to get up and go preach to the repentance to the city of Nineveh. Now get this. This purpose that Jonah has been given, though he's been a prophet of the Lord, no doubt he's done some other good things. This very purpose for which he has been given is probably the purpose for which he was born. What makes you say that, preacher? Because 3,000 years later, we are still talking about Jonah and his running from God. Jonah and his purpose from the Lord. The city 
some say would have 600,000 people in it. And they're going to completely perish if Jonah doesn't do the will of God for his life. Think when you hear completely perish, think Sodom and Gomorrah. God reigned. I may preach on, I'm going to do legends too next year, I think. And, and, and when I preach maybe through that passage, God rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah and leveled it so that you couldn't even tell there was a city there. And most people think covered it with water when it was done. God has threatened the same thing against Nineveh and they have one chance in the world to stave that off and it's a guy named Jonah and it's the purpose for which he was born. Now before I get too far away in Jonah, know this, that it wasn't just Jonah that had a purpose for which he was born, but every one of us in this building have a divine purpose that has been established by God and it is the ultimate calling of your life that the purpose God has on your life is part of God's divine plan. Listen, for the kingdom of God and for the whole world, you say, preacher, I don't have any purpose that big. You have no idea. Listen, here's what God said in Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans I have for you. You know what? You know what the truth about that verse is? You don't even know the plans God has for you. You have no idea the impact God can make with your life. But God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life that only you can fulfill. And he said it again in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. That God has had this plan all along. That God has had a purpose for you all along. That even before you were saved, and if you're here today and you're not saved, God still has a plan for you and it starts with you being saved. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, God has had this plan going on for a long time for your life. It is the purpose for which you were born. It is the purpose for which you were established. And if you don't do your purpose, three things I know. Number one, your fulfillment in life depends on you following the purpose of God for your life. If you're not finding, discovering, and seeking, and doing the purpose of God for your life, your life will never feel in sync. And when I say in sync, I don't mean it's not going to feel like a boy's band. It's not going to feel right to you. You'll always have thoughts like this. What is all this for? Why am I even doing all of this? If you don't find God's purpose, you'll never be fulfilled in life. If you don't find God's purpose, you'll never be happy in life. Your joy level won't be what it ought to be when you're ignoring the purpose of God for your life. And number three, you need to know that others depend on you finding God's purpose and doing God's purpose for your life. There were 600,000 people that needed to hear that repentance sermon. You say, oh, but preacher, if I don't do my job, somebody else will. That is not true. That is found nowhere in the Bible. That's a cop-out to get us off the hook. No, if you don't do what God has called you to do, it will go undone. And there were 600,000 people that needed to hear that repentant sermon and their lives depending on Jonah fulfilling his purpose. So you doing what you ought to do matters about your fulfillment in life. It matters about your joy in life, but it really matters to other people. This past week, I was in uh, Indianapolis. I flew to Indianapolis and uh, Chattanooga, Atlanta, Atlanta to Indy, Indy to Atlanta and back Chattanooga and 
and I was training pastors there. And I always like to tell you that sometimes. I don't always tell you, but I was with Johnny Hunt, James Merritt, some guys like that for a few days. And, and uh, we we're training pastors in Indianapolis and uh, had a great time. And I bragged on P-Vine so much. I, I bragged on, on, on my church and I'm so proud of you and, and what God's doing in our midst and gave me an opportunity to do that. But when we flew back from Indianapolis, from the Indy to Atlanta, Atlanta, Chattanooga, Wednesday, that plane was just all over the place. I don't know if we flew or flapped our way back or whatever, man. It was just bumpy all the way. And I, listen, I'm not, I fly so much, I'm not afraid of flying. I am afraid of falling out of the sky, but I'm not afraid of flying. Well, I'm fine as long as the plane flies. It's when it doesn't fly, I'm not very happy about it, but I'm not really afraid of flying. But I, I get terribly motion sick on a plane. On a normal plane ride, I get motion sick. I, my, my daughter's caught it from me. We all get extremely motion sick. I take a Dramamine on every, every flight I take. I had every day I've taken a Dramamine, but that didn't help Wednesday. The plane was just doing this, doing this on the way back. And I'm okay on a plane as long as the pilot's okay on the plane. If I hear the pilot scream like a little girl, then I know there's trouble ahead. You know what I'm not cool with? I'm not cool with the pilot walking out of the cockpit, coming back there where I am, sitting down next to me and saying, you know what, dude, I just need some time off. <laughs> now you need some time off. Now you know why I'm not cool with that? Because there's a lot of people depending on him to fulfill the purpose of what he's supposed to do while he's on that plane. It's not just him, it's all of us. Can I tell you the kingdom of God is much the same that every person has a purpose. Every person in this room has a purpose and your fulfillment and your happiness and your joy and others depend on you doing it. Find your purpose. Listen, don't use language like I volunteer at the church. Don't use language like I work at the church. You don't work at the church. You fulfill the purpose God has placed on your life when you do those things. It matters. When Jonah ran, we discovered that every person has a purpose. Number two, when Jonah ran, we discovered this. Your story should be and, not but. Now, the translation I read out of the CSB didn't, didn't say and in verse number three, but almost every other translation you read, the New King James says this in Jonah 1.3. Verse two, it said, Jonah, here's your purpose. And verse three says this, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know what verse three should have said? And Jonah arose and did the will of the Lord. That's what verse three should say. See, in, in grammar, and is what we call a coordinating conjunction. It, it connects two like things. But is a, contract, a, a contrasting conjunction, and it connects two different things. Jonah should have been coordinating with God. Instead, Jonah was contrasting with God. Jonah should have been on board with the purpose of God for his life. Instead, Jonah was going the very opposite direction. Verse three should have said, and, but his story said, but, listen to me, whatever God has called you to do in life, don't have a but story. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Here, here's so many stories. That God gave me this purpose in life, but I didn't think I could do it. God gave me this purpose in life, but I got too busy. 
God gave me this purpose in life, but it was too hard. God gave me this purpose in life, but I got distracted. Don't ever let that be your story. If God's called you to do it, you can do it. Don't ever put God in second place. Don't ever run from God. Keep him at the center of your life and have an and story. Your story should be, the purpose of my life was this, and I ran to God's calling and found purpose and happiness. Let your story be and, not but. Number three, I want you to know when you run from God, the wrong way is harder than the right way. Verse number four, the Bible says, but the Lord threw a great wind into the sea. Man, there's so much here. I don't have time to get into all of it, but Jonah jumped on the ship and decided he would go the opposite way of Nineveh. I mean, literally 180 degrees opposite way. And immediately the Lord sent a terrible storm. So bad the sailors thought the entire ship would uh, fly to pieces and sink to the bottom of the ocean. And Jonah, the entire trip in the wrong way, the sailors are having to fight for a storm. They're having to fight through difficulties, fight through hardships, fight through loss, fight through weariness. Why? Because God is trying to make the point in Jonah's life that the wrong way is harder than the right way. Get this, when you run from God, it will not be on a paved road. Here's what the Bible said. I don't know of any other place in the Bible. If, if you know it, tell me, because I, I didn't research it, but I don't know of any other place in the Bible where the, it says God threw something. I mean, God spoke it. God, God uh, had angels do it for him. Uh, one translation said God hurled something. Let me tell you this. God, God got so upset at Jonah. Uh, God said, uh, uh-uh, Jonah, it's not going to be that easy. And God got him in heaven. He's like, give me some storm dust, Gabriel. I'm going I'm to brew a big storm right here. And God's up in heaven just, no, I want a bigger storm. Nope, bigger storm. Nope. Gabriel's like, are you sure, Lord? We're about out of storm dust. Nope, give me some bigger storm dust. And God looked down at Jonah. He said, watch this, y'all. See that ship going right there? Whoosh. And the ocean lit up. I'll teach you to run from me. God hurled a storm. When have you ever heard that? God, we find out God was serious about Jonah's purpose in life. And can I tell you this? Whenever you decide to run from obeying God, you will not find it an easy road. Here's what Proverbs 13 tells us this. That good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. The way of the disobedient, some translations say, is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. God is going to make the way of disobedience hard for you every single time. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, God's going to make running from salvation hard. If you're here today, you are saved. God's going to make running from serving him hard, running from obedience hard, running from faithfulness hard, running from giving hard. Why? God knows the right way is the best way, and he will do everything he can to make the wrong way the hard Y'all may not know this or not. I want to show you something. Y'all may not know this. And this is important that you know. I don't know if you know it or not. I have a grandson. <laughs> Public service announcement number one. I have a grandson. He's the cutest thing ever. My grandchild's better looking than your grandchild, by the way. I just want to throw that out there. And um, He found his voice this week and he started uh, the last couple of days. Michaelismus in his videos. He just likes to hear self talk. He's been screaming top of his lungs. Not angry, upset. He's just like, I like to hear my voice. And so he's been having a great time. We have him at our house a lot and uh, he's not crawling yet. He's not walking yet because we haven't had a baby in our house in, in 25 years. I mean, Michaela's 25. And, and so, you know, 
couple of years, 22, 23 years since we had a baby in our house. So that we're not, we're not childproofed at all yet. I've got guns, knives, and poison laying all through my house right now. All, all through my house. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing childproof about my house right now. By the way, don't roll my yard because I mean, I, I got way too many weapons for you to be rolling my yard at night. And so um, we don't have anything childproof. You, you, you know, we know what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go put those, those things on your doorknobs where neither kids nor adults can now get the door open. You've seen those things as, how does that work? And we're going to have to put childproof locks on our cabinets because we're like you. We, like Michaela came over the day and we have a, like a, we have like a, a, a nice set of block, you know, steak knives up on our counter. And she's like, yeah, that can't be there. He'll, he'll get those down. I, I don't know where I'm going to put that, but the thing we're worried about the most other than, cause he's a boy, you know, boys just stick something in every you know, thing there is. And so we're going to have to cover up how many y'all have this, right? You have that kitchen cabinet that has all the cleaning supplies underneath it. You have that, right? It's just, it's just way down at crawl level. We'll have to put locks on all that stuff. Do you know why? Because if you don't with the boy, he'll walk, I mean, as soon as he can crawl, for some reason, he'll crawl straight to that cabinet, open up a can of Drano and drink the whole thing right in front of you. So you know what you do? You have to put locks on that. You know why? Listen, for your child's pleasure, for your child's purpose, for your child's safety, for your child's enjoyment, you know what you have to do? You know why I got to put a lock on that? I got to make the wrong way the hard way. I got to make it hard to go do the wrong thing. And I'm going to tell you, if you're here today and you're wondering why things aren't going your way, it may be that you're going the wrong way. Why can't I get on top of things? Why can't I get things together? Why can't I get my life where it needs to be? Why am I always under the gun? It may be that you're headed the wrong way. Then you may discover that when you get your feet on the path of obedience, your life will be easier. Let me show you the fourth thing we learn. I just want you to see him again. Let me show you the fourth thing. God will put you in the dark to get you to see the light. We find in verse 17, the other great character of the tale is introduced, the whale. The sailors are forced to throw Jonah overboard to calm the storm and appease the Lord. The Bible says that the Lord appointed or, or prepared um, well, we don't know exactly what it was, but whatever it was, God had prepared that, that fish had been following that boat and that fish was more obedient than Jonah was. That fish was saying, I got one purpose in life and that's to follow the guy they throw overboard. <laughs> Hope they throw the right one overboard. Cause all I know is I'm supposed to swallow the guy they throw overboard. Mom said he had prepared a great fish. The King James says a whale and we really, there's, we don't know what it was. I, I, I tend to believe it was especially appointed, constructed fish of some sort. Some have translated it whale, shark, sea monster. I don't know. It's one of those things. And some people say, well, a whale, most whales can't swallow a human. I, I don't know how you find that out or not. I mean, if you want to try that, that's fine. I've had some people I'd like to fish with and try to catch a whale, but you know, uh, I don't know how that works, but uh, I, I think if it tried hard enough, it probably could, but I just think it was something God made. And here's the Hebrew, uh, the wording of the Hebrew literally means a big old fish. So I'm good with whale, shark, sea monster, big giant thing with fins. I don't know what it was. It's just a big fish. And 
The Bible says he was in there three days and three nights. And here's how we know that story is true. Because Jesus referenced that story in the New Testament. And he said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the grave three days and three nights. So here's the deal. Jonah had been going the wrong way and God had been making it hard for Jonah to go the wrong way. We know it there in chapter one, it's been hard. I'll be dog if Jonah just didn't keep going the wrong way. So I said, all right, I'm gonna make a big fish and it's gonna swallow you and we'll see how you'll do then. Can I tell you that it's amazing how when you're in the belly of a whale, that obedience to God suddenly starts looking like the right way to live life. Can you imagine that? I mean, it didn't take long in the whale. Like chapter two, immediately Jonah prays. Like Jonah's got a prayer out before he's down the gullet really good. You know, I don't think Jonah made it to the belly. You say, you think that story's true? I definitely believe it's true. We have no indication that it's not true whatsoever. You say, well, that stuff doesn't happen in normal life, right? That's why he called it a miracle because it doesn't happen in normal life. And Jonah started praying. You know why Jonah started praying immediately? Because there's nothing like being in the dark, dank belly of a whale to go, let's see, belly of a whale, Lord's will. Belly of the whale, Lord's will. I mean, five seconds in the belly of a whale, I'm already praying, dear God, forgive me for going the wrong way. Because you know what? God has no problems putting you in the dark to get you to see the light. And I want to tell you, you're here today and you're running from God from either being saved or you're running from the will of God for your life or you're running from the word of God for your life or you're just running from God in general. You listen to me. God may be making it hard right now, but uh, fellow, you have not seen nothing yet because God can put you in the dark in a bad way. To get you to see the light. You say, preacher, I don't know if it can get any worse. <laughs> Jonah was in the belly of a ship saying, I don't, God, I just don't think it can get any worse than this. God said, you think? Hey, boys, throw him overboard. You going to let him sink? Nah. That'd be too easy. I'm not letting him off the hook. Hear that pun? I'm not letting him off the hook. See, y'all are slow. That was really good pun. <laughs> Daniel laughed immediately. Good, good for you, Daniel. I'm, I'm going to put him in the belly of a whale. I'd imagine the angels in heaven were like, you, you, what? Oh, come here. L let's watch this one. This is different. And by verse one of chapter two, Jonah is on full on repentance mode. When you're running from God, oh, I know it's hard, but it can get worse. And I wouldn't wait till I was in the dark before I saw the light. I'd get in full on repentance mode today. Close your Bibles. I'm finished. 1996, the Olympic Games were in Atlanta. It was a hundredth um, gathering of the games, and so it was a big deal. And you know how they do with the Olympic Games. They have the Olympic torch, and they, they, they carry it 
all around the world. And in that time, it was uh, 1996, it was a 15,000 mile relay that they carried the Olympic torch. And it, it got into America over here on this side and it got up to Washington State. And there was a guy in Washington State who was carrying it, his part of the relay. His name was Harry Sheffield. Harry Sheffield was a bicyclist and they'd put a thing on the back of his bicycle that held the torch exactly. And he was supposed to cross the Tacoma Narrows Bridge with the Olympic flame on the back of his bicycle. But when he got about halfway across the bridge, the back tire on his bicycle blew out and it caused him to spill over and wreck and the flame went out. It had never happened before. Harry Sheffield is the only guy that's put the flame of the Olympics out and he panicked and, and people panicked, but there was this one group of people who didn't have any panic whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they went everywhere that the flame went. And so they simply went back to the van that was following the flame and inside the van was what they called the mother flame. And they took the torch and they lit it on the mother flame and then everything continued as normal. It was such an amazing event. He wound up on Jay Leno a few days later as the only guy to ever put out the Olympic flame. But I love it that trailing Harry Sheffield was the fire that was needed to make things right. I'm going to tell you, some of you have been running from God, running from obeying God, and your light has gone out and you're in the darkness. You say, well, what do I do? You have to do what Jonah did. You got to go back to the flame and surrender your life and obedience back to God. You've got to relight the torch of your Christian life and go back to where it went out and light it again. Some of you here this morning, you're running from being saved. Why would you do that? Why would you call, crawl over the grace and mercy of God to go to a place called hell for eternity? Why, why are you running? Some of you are running from serving God. Some of you are running from obedience to God. Some of you are running from the will of God. You're running from the word of God. You're just running from God in general. You don't even know where you're going. You're just running the opposite direction. Be careful. There's not a story in the Bible where that ends well. Can I tell you this? There's not a testimony in this room, not one, not one, where somebody says, best thing that ever happened to me was when I ran from God. Not one. So listen today. Don't run from God, run to God. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Our staff is here at the front. If you're here today and you would like to become a Christian, our staff is here and they'd love to pray with you and lead you through that process. All you've got to do is slip out and walk down and take one of them by the hand. If you're here today and you'd like to join our church, they'll tell you how to do that. If you'd like to be baptized, they'll tell you, don't run from baptism, don't run from church membership, don't run from being saved, run to all that. And they're here, they'll walk you through all that. So if you have a question like that, just come ask somebody. Don't come pray, come ask, come ask these guys standing here. There's some of you in the building this morning, you're running from God and your prayer needs to find you at the altar and just say, God, I don't want to run from, I want to run to you. I don't care what you're running from. Going the opposite direction of the Lord is never the right way to go. So 
you need to come this morning and pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many of you would say this morning, preacher, I've got somebody I care about deeply who is running from the Lord. Let me see your hand. You, you got somebody you care about deeply running from God? Hey, hey, this is a tough prayer to pray, but I pray it. Why don't you come to the altar this morning and find a place to kneel and say, God, make the wrong way hard for them. It's the best, most loving prayer you could pray for them today. Whether you're praying for you, whether you're praying for somebody else, my prayer is you'd come. Father, draw us with your spirit as you've spoken to us through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.